Good Faith Media is supported in part by the Eula May and John Baugh Foundation. The Baugh Foundation, established in Texas in 1994, recognizes the God-given dignity of every person. The foundation supports nonprofit organizations that reflect the love of Christ by providing assistance to those in need, enriching the lives of children and youth, keeping faith communities informed and engaged, and protecting individual freedoms. The Baugh Foundation, supporter of Good Faith Media and Brother Molly. I'm George Mason, host of The Good God Project, conversations that matter about faith and public life. You can find our weekly video podcasts at Good Faith Media or at goodgodproject.com. Thank you for tuning in to Good Faith Media's production of Brother Molly. Molly Marshall has taught us all about the courage and conviction it takes to lead in Baptist life. She's teaching us still. Brother Molly once heard a story from a Cherokee theologian in Kansas. He told the story of two tribes that had gone to Kansas. One was the Delawares, who never forgot what they had lost, always lamenting the verdant valleys they left in the east. The second tribe, the Winnebago's, erased in their tribal memory the fact that they had ever lived anywhere else. When Molly heard this comparison, she knew she had a choice to make on how she would turn exile into home. Welcome back to Brother Molly, a six-episode documentary podcast from Good Faith Media on the life and work of Molly T. Marshall. I'm Erica Whitaker. Episode 5, Midwife of Grace. In August 1994, Molly T. Marshall is back in Muskogee, Oklahoma. Molly's life at Southern is officially now over, and the life of Molly's mother, Bernice Marshall, ends just days after Molly's dismissal. But the phone in Oklahoma won't stop ringing. Phone rang off the hook. Uh, Roy Honeycutt, among others. Just kind of the realization that... that uh, uh, my my world at Southern was ending and my mother's life at the same time. One of the other calls is from Central Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. Remember, this was one of the schools that had passed on her resume a decade earlier. But now, calling. And I got a call on Monday from Tom Clifton, the president at Central, who wanted to begin to talk with me about the potential of coming to Central because it the, it was news that I had been fired. And I said, uh, Dr. Clifton, I can't talk with you right now. We'll have time later this fall to talk. The fall of 1994 is an uncertain time for Molly. Another dark period in her life. A season without a school rhythm to help order her days. Robin Sanbothy, a friend and colleague of Molly's. People don't always realize how um, much things have hurt her that have happened in her past. Um, 
and how much it hurts to get it brought up again. It's just such a fascinating story for people and a powerful one. And she was a faculty member who was basically declared a heretic, you know. Um, she's come a long way and on the other side of that. And that intrigues people. So I don't think they think about the human side of that. You know, what's hurtful about that? Helen Moore Montgomery, who began a lifelong friendship with Molly back at Oklahoma Baptist University in the 1960s. And she um, led the way in so many ways, taking risks, speaking out, being heard. And uh, that was so important to her career today. Um, that's just a part of who she is. And uh, Southern Seminary got the first dose <laughs> of, of who she was, who she really was. Um, you look back on that, and as hurtful and terrible at the time we all thought that was, Molly grew into a dynamic leader. And that experience uh, probably was one of the things that gave her the courage to risk taking every one of the steps that she's taken since. So in 1995, Molly T. Marshall leaves Louisville, shaking the dust from her feet, dumping the pebbles out of her boots. Having earned tenure at Southern, she reboots and becomes a visiting professor at Central Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. I went from the bucolic pasture land, beautiful uh, Southern, to uh, hard up against it, urban core, school, uh, crumbling infrastructure, uh, lived on campus, was robbed. Um, I call it my downward mobility. Uh, beginning to enter a different story. Not a story of privilege, a story of uh, scarcity, of uh, people seeking to serve in challenging places and uh, try to enter that story. Uh, when I left Louisville, Douglas was nearing retirement. Central was very fragile. And we made the decision that I would go to Central, live on campus, commute home, he did not want to get relicensed and do boards in another state when he was that near. And Douglas, Molly says, struggled with alcoholism. To have some separation from the daily drama of that was a grace. I lived in a small missionary apartment on campus, and so there was a bit of reprieve for me. Uh, when I first got to Central, and I don't want to denigrate Central, in my little bit of misery, uh, being so far away from colleagues and all, I thought maybe if I'd been a better scholar, I could have gone to a better place, to a better school. And Douglas, my husband, in one of the nicest things, he ever said to me was, oh, Molly, it's because you were a better person that you came to this one.
I think the role of a theological school professor is to help mirror what you see happening in the lives of your students. Help to reflect what is struggling to be born. To help identify that. And then help uh, help to deliver that. And so a midwife of grace is one who calls forth uh, new life, new discovery, new awareness uh, in her students. And so I've used that to describe my spiritual maternity, if you please, uh, over the years. And so thinking about the role of uh, midwifery in helping a person birth new identity is a critical metaphor for me. Molly has said, God put me on the planet to love students, stir the theological pot, and bear witness to a graceful and relentless movement of the Spirit, even working through women. There is so much of Molly in that quote. Students, theology, the Holy Spirit, women. And anyone who knows Molly knows she loves pneumatology, that is, the branch of Christian theology concerned with the Holy Spirit. Part of the reason why I have loved pneumatology is because it gets beyond the maleness of Jesus. And it's the maleness of Jesus that has been used as warrant for excluding women. It's also about this time that Molly develops a strong affection for a 15th century church icon by the Russian painter Andrei Rublev. The icon is known by several names. The Old Testament Trinity, the Hospitality of Abraham, the Three Visitors. The icon is based on a story from Genesis in which Abraham and Sarah, a childless couple, show hospitality to three mysterious strangers. And one of these enigmatic characters gives the old couple the shocking news that they will have a son. This Abraham, of course, is the father Abraham to which Judaism, Islam, and Christianity all trace their roots. Now Abraham and Sarah don't even appear in the icon. The only people, so to speak, are these three visitors sitting at a table and accompanied by various objects. Molly, someone born into a Southern Baptist church in Muskogee, Oklahoma, goes on and on about this medieval Russian icon and the theology embedded within it. It will speak to her for decades. And the colors of the particular figures are very significant. The figure to the right, as you look at it, has the green covering, which is what is often spoken of as the Holy Spirit, the power of greening, making life fully alive. That goes back to Hildegard of Bingen. The center figure has the rough brown of the earth, and that's the sun with the golden stripe over his shoulder, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And to the left is supposedly the father figure with a color that cannot be described, uh, which is no one has ever seen God, the Johannine text. There are these deferential, attentive gestures. The front side of the table is, uh, is vacant. And so you get the sense that you are being invited 
to draw up a chair and enter in to this intimate conversation, this dynamism that is the life of God in a threefold way. Now, the most interesting thing about Rublev's uh, images is not only do they have huge wings, but they also have a staff. Molly delves into her teaching, and she was invited to speak all over on a host of topics. Here's a Southern Baptist archival clip of Molly's friend, Linda McKinnish Bridges, introducing her in Virginia in 1995. She not only is a Baptist daughter, but she's also a trained Baptist daughter. Her Master's of Divinity is from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Her PhD is from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. From there, she studied at Cambridge and also in Jerusalem. Her colleague of several years, Dr. Bill Hendricks, says it this way, the only problem that Molly has is that she is threateningly brilliant, and that is certainly the case as I've watched her. She has a vocabulary that you'll have to take down the words if you don't know them and go look them up after this lecture, so keep your notes handy. As Molly begins to build relationships around Kansas City and in the Midwest, she turns once again to her brothers in the faith. Brother Molly returns after the break. Do you minister in a rural congregation? BSK's three-course Rural Ministry Certificate is offered in collaboration with the Berry Center. BSK also offers a certificate in pastoral care. Learn more and apply today at bsk.edu. Enjoying Brother Molly so far? We'd love to have you share the podcast on your social media platforms using hashtag Brother Molly. Thanks for listening. Looking for more great podcasts featuring Baptists like Molly Marshall? Check out Baptist Without an Adjective, an award-winning weekly interview podcast from Warden Way. The program features conversations with Baptists across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. You'll find interviews with leaders in the five largest U.S. Baptist denominations and Baptist leaders from more than 20 other nations. Find Baptist Without an Adjective wherever you get your podcast or at podcast.wordandway.org. Brother Molly continues. Uh, the bells ring prior to each time of prayer. And if, if, they're, if they have stopped ringing before you get in the church, you're probably going to be late. <laughs> and, and these are rung by monks. Um, young monks pull the ropes and... Sometimes old monks pull the ropes. Molly is at Conception Abbey in Conception, Missouri. She's on her way to Lodz, a morning prayer time observed by the Benedictine monks here. She's heading into the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, the Abbey's Romanesque church, completed in 1891. When I came to Kansas City in 1995, I was asked to teach spiritual formation. I'd only taught theology and formation for ministry in Louisville. So I thought, okay, I need to learn who the religious communities are here. I'd already had an introduction to Benedictine life because I want to have a place to take students and to let that be a part of their formation. So I began to visit 
Um, it's an hour and a half to Conception Abbey. I actually remember meeting Molly Marshall on Christmas Day when she was at Conception Abbey. This is Abbot Primate Gregory Pollen, who now lives in Rome. As Abbot Primate, he is the head of the world's Benedictine monks. But when Molly begins visiting Conception Abbey in Missouri, he was the abbot there. She was at Conception Abbey for the Mass uh, on Christmas Day, and we just happened to meet. They just happened to meet? Cue a divine laugh. So begins a decades-long friendship and relationship between the Benedictines of Conception and the Baptist of Central. I remember several times when uh, Molly would come to Conception Abbey and she and I would have the opportunity for a one-on-one visit. And then I remember her talking about the possibility of starting to bring students from Central Baptist Seminary to uh, Conception Abbey for uh, a period of time to experience Benedictine spirituality and um, uh, a touch of ecumenical worship from her her perspective. Um, Both Molly and I are strong believers in the ecumenical movement and trying to be able to bring people together for worship um, from different uh, branches of um, Christian belief uh, is something that was important to both of us. And uh, I remember saying to her, um, do you think your faculty is going to um, say something to you about this um, bringing students to uh, a Benedictine monastery. They do not. And so I began to get to know them and to take students every other January for an immersion course in Benedictine spirituality where we would spend a week. And I would teach and the monks would teach and we would keep the daily office. So little by little I got to know that community. I think for her also, it was just very important for the seminarians to experience a community that was stable uh, in the way that we live our stability as Benedictines and how that could also be a kind of living witness for the uh, seminary students who came to visit Conception and how then to be able to incorporate that in their own way into their own lives. Angie Jackson, the grant officer at Central Baptist Theological Seminary, was a former student of Brother Molly's who attended one of the classes at the Abbey. The welcome, I think, of the the monks of the Abbey um, made an impression. Um, the abbot spent time with our class, Abbot Gregory. It was not something I had any experience with prior to coming, Benedictine spirituality. I like the quiet and the peacefulness of this place. I met Molly after she was already deeply, deeply rooted in Benedictine spirituality. I've heard her reflect sometimes about that and how 
it um, uh, provided her a, that um, I don't know a sense of, of rootedness and um, I don't know how else to describe that in particularly in difficult seasons in her life that there's something stable about um, you know the rhythms that have been ongoing for centuries right Molly talks about the Benedictine values of on the one hand stability and on the other hand, conversatio morum, or a continual conversion and renewal of the self. Mark Medley, another former student of Molly's. When she first went to Central, that, that was a space for healing um, for her. She was developing in part that, that connection with Conception Abbey and reading and devoting herself to Benedictine uh, Benedictine life in a sense aspects of of Benedictine spirituality incorporating um, those dimensions of Benedictine spirituality into her into her life so I think she's that would be one change but again it's not so much a change it's a deepening Angie mentions the welcome the hospitality these are key features of Benedictine life and spirituality here's brother Joseph O'Neill one of the monks at Conception Abbey we also receive everybody and anybody here as if it were Christ. That's our, that's one of our, our mottos, uh, you know, receive all guests as if they were, they were Christ. One of the guests the monks at Conception welcome, as if she were Christ, is Molly T. Marshall, a guest like no other. I was struck right away by her openness because, I mean, to be honest, you know, Okay, Catholics and Baptists, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, how in the world is she so into this Benedictine stuff as a Baptist? Because the perception, at least, and it's not necessarily correct perception, but the perception is, uh, wait a minute, are they a Baptist into this Catholic stuff? Whoa! This is Brother Cyprian Langloy, one of Molly's dear Benedictine buddies. But I was surprised at her openness and her great knowledge of church history and all things Benedictine, actually. Uh, so we've gotten... Uh, so that, that, that really fascinated me to begin with, and then uh, getting to know her better and better, realizing that um, she, uh, she has a deep understanding of monasticism and uh, Benedictine spirituality. Abbot Primate Gregory Polin. I always saw with, uh, within Mali this uh, idea of how important it was for people of faith to be brought together in prayer and in a genuine spirit of hospitality and also um, a vision of, of God that was uh, very inclusive. She understands us in the, better than a lot of Catholics would understand us. She gets us. She understands what we're all about in terms of the number one work of monks is to pray. And a key element of that is our reflective time, our lexio time, huh? Lexio divina, divine reading, or ruminating on the scriptures like a cow chewing on its cud. Huh? Uh, she understands this. 
uh, and she understands that what we're doing is important for the life, uh, the, the life of Christianity and for the world, because we're not here just for ourselves. I mean, we got a whole bulletin board full of sheets of prayer requests, huh? So there it is, the late 1990s. A female Baptist professor, forced out of her seminary under a cloud of heresy, making her way in a new religious world, Central Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. Befriending, and befriended by, Benedictine monks who are working and praying in rural northwest Missouri. I can make a choice here. I can forever grieve what I have lost. Or I can give myself to this place and practice Benedictine vows of stability and conversatio morum, continuous conversion. And this can become my place. Uh, And so I set out very deliberately to do that. Central has become kind of her home, huh? her baby, if you will. And, and here also, there's a sense of that. She, for, when she comes here, I think there's a sense of uh, hominess, if I can put it that way. There's a sense of comfort, a sense of peace. You know, when you go to your home and all that, you can sit down in your recliner and all that, and it's not, there's, there's an ease, a comfort. And she has that here. And hopefully we provide that for her here. But I think we've had such a long and intimate relationship Uh, that, you know, she's right at home here. Molly finds at the Abbey not just the daily practice of an ancient and grounding spirituality, but also something else that fits her like a glove. Wit and humor. Witness Brother Cyprian at mealtime with Molly. The laughter and shenanigans among Molly and the monks simply do not cease. I just have two things to say about Molly. <laughs> <laughs> I had to come down and say hi to everybody. I appreciate it. Everybody know well, Brother Joseph? Hello. Yes, our friend. Our Hello, friend. everybody. Welcome. Hello. When did you do the solemn bells? May 18th. I knew you were newly minted. Yeah, I'm newly minted. Scares the crap out of me, but I'm newly minted. Yeah, well, very good. Things hurt at the monastery. Humor is to not take yourself so seriously. And, and that's humility as well. Both from the same root, Latin humus, earth, dust, Here's Abbot Benedict Neenan, the current abbot of Conception Abbey. The connection, I think, of humility and humor is being able to laugh at yourself and being able to see the ridiculous, uh, even in the sublime, that, uh, you know, there's, there, there's a streak of, of, of the silly in the sacred. And people who can see that without losing their sense of the sacred uh, are, are fun to be around, interesting to be around. A monastery is full of characters. How true. Abbot Benedict. Before he took a Ph.D. in Rome in church history, he completed a certificate in Bavarian wood carving. Brother Joseph? He used to be a realtor in Nebraska. 
Brother Cyprian, his tenure in the Air Force had him stationed at a nuclear missile base in Wyoming. There is a sense of the absurd, because they understand, you know, we're called to kind of a peculiar life here. These vows, these, this stability, this all-male thing. And so for them to poke fun at it and to just sharpen their wits with one another. You know, they play cards, they watch ball games, they, they do this and that. Cue Brother Molly, the doubles tennis champion from Oklahoma, who pilfered a library book and chunked it into the Ohio River. It's a kind of a joke between us. Uh, if you are a reverend, and then you are addressed as a father when you get uh, communication from the Abbey. So I get this Father, father Marshall, Father Molly stuff, which I laugh at. They give me the clergy discount in the bookstore. I mean, this is a stitch. In 1997, Molly receives tenure for the second time in her life, this time at Central in Kansas City. She becomes professor of theology and spiritual formation. With firmer footing, Douglas now moves to Kansas City, as he had moved to Louisville to be with her all those years ago. And so I basically forced Douglas' hand. I said, okay, we need to sell the home, it's time. And uh, he was really, he had become... Uh, ill and not simply from alcoholism, but other degenerative disc and lymphocytic leukemia and aortic aneurysm, etc. So cascading events. So he came. Uh, we bought a home, and not a block from the seminary, and kind of a hard up against it, urban neighborhood. Molly settles into a new life with Douglas in Kansas City, teaching at Central beginning to care for Douglas's growing health needs, deepening and broadening her theological exploration, concepts like the communion of saints and paschal mystery. Brother Cyprian again. We believe that those who have gone before us, when we pass, we will be with them again, yeah, in heaven. Those who have gone before us form this communion of saints. We belong to something much bigger than ourselves and it includes those who have gone before us. That's the communion of saints in Catholic teaching, yes. I talk about Paschal mystery. And I talk about it not simply in relation to Christ's own self-giving, but I talk about it as a part of the life of a faithful person. None of us can escape pain, whether it be emotional or physical. And so the willingness to walk with and not flee it has probably given me a greater sensitivity. There's another phone call that came about three years into my time at Central. And it was from Christianity Today. And they were doing an article on Al Mohler. And they said, now we don't want this to be a puff piece and we would like to interview you. What would you like to tell us about Dr. Mohler? And I said, 
nothing. And that was an indication to me that some of the hard work of forgiveness and some of the releasing of that painful epoch had occurred. And that I was not going to make a cottage industry out of being fired. And though Molly has turned a corner, Central Baptist Theological Seminary has not. With an aging infrastructure in downtown Kansas City, deferred maintenance and mounting debt, the seminary is a car without brakes, headed for a cliff. But don't worry, Brother Molly is about to get behind the wheel. Brother Molly is a production of Good Faith Media. It's hosted by me, Erica Whitaker. It's written by Cliff Vaughn, with additional writing by me. Cliff Vaughn is the producer and editor, and Mitch Randall is the executive producer. Narration recorded by Carter Harrell. Special thanks in this episode to Angie Jackson, Brother Scipion Lingloy, Mark Medley, Helen Moore Montgomery, Abbot Benedict Neenan, Brother Joseph O'Neill, Abbot Primate Gregory Polin, and Robin Sanbothi. This is Mitch Randall, CEO of Good Faith Media. If you like compelling and authentic stories, real stories that are both intriguing and complex, consider making a donation at goodfaithmedia.org. At Good Faith Media, there's always more to tell.